Hello and welcome to the Deeper Eye podcast. I am Lara Ferris, your host. For many years, I have been passionate about self-improvement. Through this, I have met the best specialists in their field who have given me tools and the courage to pursue a new path. The purpose of this podcast is to share with you everything I have learned through the conversations I have had with these amazing people. I hope these conversations will impact your life as they did to mine. Andrew's back with me today to talk about the seventh law of the, of the seventh spiritual law of success by Deepak Chopra. Today's law is the law of Dharma. Very, very interesting to hear about Dharma. We all hear a lot about karma, but very few people speak and explain what Dharma is. So I hope Andrew's explanation will be very useful to you all. Andrew, good afternoon. So good Hi, to be with you again. Today is a very, very exciting day for me because the law of Dharma or purpose of in life from the seventh spiritual law of success from Deepak Chopra. I have to say, Andrew, is a pretty exciting law for me. I'll tell you, very often I had the feeling that there is things I was doing in my life that really brought me much more excitement than anything else, like the specific things. And it's really specific to me. It's not something that I share with any friends or any member of the family. And when I read this law, I think I understood what it was. It's probably what we call my signature or what I'm here to do. Is that what uh, Dharma means? Because we hear a lot about karma, but very few times people talk about Dharma. So I'm excited for you to explain to us a bit. Yes, I I definitely think that's a really good example of it. And it's one component of it. And, And we do get those moments. It's really a moment of feeling aligned with the universe. So we, it's like, ah, I'm in the right time, the right place, in the right moment. Yeah. And those are very special experiences because a lot of the time we think, oh, my God, I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think Dharma is, is, is just a Sanskrit word for it. it it's really a, a word for purpose. And I think the sort of, um, starting and ending point of this is the idea or the assumption that if I'm here in a body, then I'm here to fulfill a purpose. Mm. So, you know, that's quite a big leap for some people because obviously I have friends and I have family members that would say, well, we're just here. That's it. You mm. know, the, mm. you, you don't need a purpose. But I think most traditions, cultures, uh, spiritual systems or whatever, it's very, very widespread that people would agree we're here for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And and the second part of that is that if we uh, can recognize that and be willing to discover our purpose, then I think life is much more fulfilling and uh, much more meaningful. You, you know, there was that famous 
book written by Viktor Frankl mm-hmm. who called Man in Search of Meaning and he'd been in in one of the camps I think he was in Auschwitz yeah and and he wrote about how important it was for an individual to have a sense of meaning or a sense of purpose and I I would echo with that because you know there's a lot of people suffering from mental health and yeah. and a lot of mental health issues, and I was clinically depressed myself at one mm-hmm. time, is really a sense of um, helplessness, powerlessness, a sense of no purpose, no meaning. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to get out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to motivate yourself to do anything, however simple. Yeah. There is something that's um, a bit confusing for me here because uh, I love the fact that uh, we're here for a purpose. It's, it really helps me. It helps me, as you said, for all the reason you've just described, it, it helps me just feel that I want to wake up every day and, you know, feel I'm, I'm useful. I'm here for a reason. But very often I was confused on what is this purpose? You know, when you know you're here for a purpose mm. and you don't know your purpose, uh, don't you feel it's a bit um, like a conflict within yourself? Do you have a way to find this purpose? Yeah. So I think that's a great question. And I think lots of people struggle with that, Lara. And certainly mm. I've struggled with it at various times in my life. So if we look at the the words or, or, or the structure uh, presented by Deepak Chopra, mm. uh, he talks about Dharma and obviously he's coming from a tradition that are very, very um, interested in and aligned with Dharma. It's a, he, he's from the Indian subcontinent, which is where the term comes from. So he talks about Dharma being in three different uh, components and i think it's quite a useful way of looking at it and i'll I'll, um, extrapolate on that as we go along but the first component which i think is useful for your dilemma or the dilemma Mm. you've articulated is the first component says that we're here to discover our true self yeah now i think that's quite helpful because you know, it takes away that dilemma in a sense. It says, well, there's not necessarily one thing in the world like creating Amazon or creating a crisis centre for women or doing this or teaching. It's it's basically saying that each one of us is here to discover our true self. And Mm -hmm. as you and I know, that's a little bit of a lifetime uh, enterprise. (laughs) And the reason why so few people um, are interested in pursuing that um, Mm. goal uh, is that if we are interested in discovering our true self, then there are many, many layers of pain and hurt and and past grievances that we need to work through. And, you know, very often we start off all gung-ho thinking, yep, we want to sign up for that. But along the way, uh, we find that um, it's not as comfortable or as uh, desirable as we thought it was. But nonetheless, um, one of the ways I often explain that to people is, you know, one of the top 10 laws of the physical universe, according to science, is what they now call Big Bang Theory, is is the law that interprets the beginning of the universe. 
And according to Big Bang Theory, the universe uh, was created 14 billion years ago. And according to that same theory, the universe will carry on for the next 14 billion years. It's it's currently still expanding. Mm -hmm. And there's certain theories that says at some point it might retract again. But nonetheless, the universe has been here for 14 billion years and will carry on. Mm-hmm. for another 14 billion years. Mm-hmm. And and what we know to be true is mm-hmm. that in the last 14 years and in the next 14 billion years, mm-hmm. I should say, yeah. there never has been and never will be another Lara Farris. Mm-hmm. So who you are with the the woman who is your mother and the man who is your father and obviously the grandparents behind that, the particularity of this incarnation, this embodiment, and if I may say so, embodied in a very beautiful body with a lovely smile, <laughs> but the particularity yeah. of this is non-repeatable. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it's, it sort it's of intuitive. It's very empowering to hear that. You know, if, I you, think so. if you believe, you know, it's really, it gives you such a sense of uh, being so special, you know, like. Yeah. Well, it's incredible. You know, it, it's not something that is a much of a stretch to believe because it's self-evidently true. It would be very hard for anyone to dispute that mm. because you're never going to replicate mm. um, the the particularity of the woman who's your mother, the man who's your father, meeting and creating you. That is, a you are a one-off. And the tragedy, which I think is... Um, a Shakespearean tragedy, is that human beings, I think we're the only species of of millions of species on our planet, we're the only species that most of us spend most of our time not being me. Mm. If you think Mm. about it, you know, we adopt these roles, we pretend to be this, we pretend to be that, we, we avoid the essence of who we are. Yes. So, Dharma, the first element of Dharma, which I think is very beautiful and very empowering, is to be willing to be our true self. There was um, a Jesuit priest in the in the seventies that nobody's ever heard of apart from me. I think he was called John Powell, but he wrote a book mm. which was called uh, "Will the Real Me Stand Up." And I love that type. Will the yeah, real me stand up? That's really and, nice. And, and you know, there's there's you and I know, Lara, there's many times in a day when we're confronted with a particular situation mm. and there's a pause and we think, Am I gonna be true to myself mm. in this situation? Mm, 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 mm. And so practicing that and creating an intention mm. and a willingness to discover my true self, whatever that is, is a huge part of Dharma. I have so many questions popping up. It's like, <laughs> I feel like uh, I'm boiling. The, the, the first one I would like to ask is, um, we are all here with a purpose, right? We are all here for a, a deep reason. Like we, we're here with, with a gift and we are here with a purpose, unique purpose to do something in the world. Okay. What Uh if we don't feel we're doing anything? Like I know many people, it's not just, um, uh, I'm not just talking about uh, economical success, but you know, if, if you don't feel like you reach your, the age of 80 and you just feel you've done a very basic life and, 
you don't really recognize that something extremely special has been done during your life? Do you feel you can miss out on doing your purpose or you've done it anyway, even so, just by being here? Yeah, it's a wonderful question. Um, and I think there's sort of two aspects to the answer to that. So, you, you know, my father died 12, 13 years ago. And I've often felt, and I still feel in many ways, that he lived an unlived life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a wonderful play, uh, I forget who wrote it now, called The Death of a Salesman. Oh, yes. That and, was and that brilliant. was a, a brilliant, um, dramatic enactment of yes. the idea of an unlived life. Mm -hmm. and, and we look at that. So in one sense, yes. It's definitely true that we can go through life without discovering our dharma. Oh. However, and this feels a little bit like a circular argument or a very convenient argument, I would argue mm. that at the end of that life, that that lifetime was about living an unlived life and not, and, and so we come back again mm. to, to have another go. Yeah. So. I, I don't think it's wasted. I don't, it feels like it's wasted or it might look like it's wasted. But I think some people do incarnate and have a lifetime that's, um, you know, very ordinary or very um, limiting. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't want to say that's wrong. But I'd want to say that that, to some extent, was their dharma of that lifetime, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. Could it be also that um, you you signed up, like your purpose was to just show that it would be a waste not to do anything with your life, that that's, that's the purpose of your yeah, life? Yeah, it show? could be. And also we're talking about people, you know, my father had four children. Yeah. And so all those four human beings, all of whom are now in their 60s, mm. but, you know, they go on to do things and their children go on to do. So maybe part of his purpose was to initiate something that's going to be fulfilled in two or three generations time. So it, it, there is peace, I think, in that theory that obviously we, we think that that's the case. And I think it, it comes with a peaceful feeling to, to know that actually it was his purpose to show his four children and other people maybe around him. That and of course, there were many other aspects yeah. to his life. He, yeah. he, my father, had an amazing relationship to money. He was very, very balanced. There was nothing ostentatious about him. Mm -hmm. He had more money than people realized. And he had a very, and, and he helped a lot of people, which very few people knew about. So it, it, it wasn't an unlived life in that sense. There mm -hmm. were some very lovely aspects to his life. And, you know, when I spoke at his funeral, I said, you know, my father was a good man. And as far as I'm concerned, he was a good man. So that's that. But I think it, it, it's useful. There's a, a very helpful link here to the second component that Deepak Chopra talks about, which is part of the law of Dharma or part of our Dharma is to express our unique talents. So mm -hmm. he would say, and I would agree with him, that each one of us has a combination of unique talents. So Whilst you and I might share certain individual talents, yeah. the collection or combination of your talents are different to mine. Yeah. 
yeah. and uh, different to my wife's, different to my friends, etc. And part of embracing our true self is to be willing to fully express our unique talents. And if we don't express them, then that little bit of existence, you know, um, uh, I'm here, I'm different to you, I'm different to others. If I'm not willing to express the particularity of the combination of talents and gifts that I have, then that is gone forever. Yeah. The other question, when you said, um, you mentioned this uh, book, this title that I really loved, Will the Real Me Stand Up? Yeah. The real you, the real me, is the me that has worked on, on him or herself right? It's, it's mm-hmm. the me that has mm-hmm. really tried to discover himself. And um, like the first, you just said it at the beginning, like part of the law of Dharma is to um, discover who we, who we are. So that's the, the real us. And very often we are so attached to so many adjectives that has been given to us over the years, like uh, you are kind, you're not a hypocrite, uh, you are truthful, you're authentic, whatever, you know. And the real you sometimes has to come out in some situation, but you know in your heart that is going to affect this adjective that you've always received since you were a child. For example, in my case, I've always told you I'm not a hypocrite. And do you, you remember it was one of the, <laughs> and you said, you kept saying, yes, until you, you are, until you acknowledge you are. And it took me years to understand what you mean to discover and to acknowledge your whole self, every part of you. So who, who is the real you? Is it yeah. Everything? Is it your your tags? Is it the adjective you've been given? Mm-hmm. It's really confusing for me. I think it's confusing for everyone. And I think w- one of the areas that people get caught up in is, is both a sort of mental gymnastics and an emotional gymnastics about, well, what's, who's the true self? Who, who am I? Blah, is yeah. that me? Is that, is that just, yeah. And that's understandable. So I think um, there's there's a couple of ways through that that uh, can help. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a time when I did a lot of group work and I still do some group work. And if you've got 20 people in a room, there'll always be one person that says, I'm the most honest person I know. Yeah. I, You know, I am. And I always think to myself, you're probably the most dishonest person in the room. <laughs> because, <laughs> because when we attach to a particular part of the polarity, you know, if I said I'm the kindest person in the room, it's just part of a story. And if we're in a human body and if we're part of the human species, then we embody it all. I'm both kind and I'm, I'm mean, I'm, I'm generous and I'm, so I'm generous and I'm mean, I'm, I'm, I'm compassionate and I'm mean spirited. So you know, there's a range of things. There's a polarity of all these things and all of us are all of it. So that sort of takes the pressure off. And the second thing, which is important, is to really distinguish and be willing to explore the difference between what we call identity, or some people might use the term ego, Mm -hmm. and the true self. So one of the things, one of the themes throughout this exploration mm-hmm. is the idea 
that we are spiritual beings inhabiting a uh, a human body. Yes. And another Jesuit, actually, Taya de Chardin, who said we need to understand we're not human beings having a spiritual experience, we're spiritual beings mm. having a human experience. And and everything you're talking about there is is what we would attribute to the ego or the identity. So we develop over many decades um, a specific identity. I remember my wife in the first five years of our marriage when we'd argue or something, she'd say, but that's who I am. Mm. That's who I am. And I said, well, I don't think it is who you are. Mm. <laughs> and I think now with most of those things, she'd say, no, 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 you're right. That mm. wasn't who I was. That was just my uh, attachment to a particular identity at that yes. moment in time. So we distinguish between that and the true self is essentially an expansive spiritual being existence. And mm. when we connect with our true self, it's not that your tr true self might express itself differently to my true self. You're in a female yeah. body, I'm in a male body, you come from a different culture to me, I come yeah. from a different culture to you, etc., etc. You're highly intelligent, I'm rather thick. And we <laughs> <laughs> we could go on and on. And and so the expression of the true self, which is mm. um, a very expansive and beautiful way of being, it is expressed differently in our day-to-day -day life. But nonetheless, we need to get out of, sometimes you've heard me refer to little me and big me, yeah. you know? Yeah, I like that uh, expression rather than ego and it's because yeah, the little and, you, know, you is 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 the ego, isn't it? Well, my little me is mean spirited. My little me does get jealous. My little me yeah. gets resentful. My little me gets impatient, and yeah. I, you know, I think, you know, don't you know who I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's another great expression because it, it that's the ego talking. It's an identity talking, and um, you, you're looking for status. So you you do uh, you you do change your real you over years. Your real you keeps evolving. Like you, you discover it. It's like you're peeling some something until you discover. I, I would say it, it's a little bit pedantic this and and a bit semantic. But I would say the real you isn't changing. But as you peel away layers, yes. you're seeing more of the real me. So it looks different. It looks more expanded. Yes. I love that. It, oh. That would be something I need to keep remembering. So the real you is in. It doesn't move. It doesn't change. It doesn't move. It's, it's like, not affected yeah. by anything. No. It's all these layers that keep appealing. I mean, again, you, you, you don't need to, to go to this level. But to me, the obvious consequence of this way of thinking is that the, the, the true self in you and the true self in me is divine, it's divinity. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a little bit like divinity is divinity is divinity. So it's all part of the whole. And one of the expressions I always slightly bulk at is when you hear people say very often, you say, oh, she's an old soul or she's, you know, he's an old soul, blah, blah. A soul is eternal. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you can't, one soul cannot be older than another. It's impossible. Yeah. So all of us in, in our core self or true self, uh, are eternal. And, mm. and we go through many, many different um, experiences, different lifetimes, uh, different dimensions. And each one has its own dharma. Each one has its own purpose. 
And the third element of Dharma, which I just want to mm-hmm. mention because it's very much uh, in, in the spirit of Deepak Chopra, the third component of Dharma is what he calls uh, service, service yeah. to humanity. Yeah. So he would say, and I, I think I would go along with him, although maybe it's not quite so strong for me as it is for him, but he would say, you know, we're, we're here to discover our true self, mm-hmm. that we're here to express our unique talents, but equally we're here to service the community around us. Because if we're doing one and two in some sort of egocentric way or self-centered way, then we're not living our dharma, we're not living our Mm. purpose. Each one of us is here to, you know, there's a friend of mine who was not really a a spiritual person. He was very old when I knew him. And, And he looked me in the eye one time and he said, whatever happens after this, I don't know. But he said, I know I've left my world a better place than when I came here. That's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And and to know that inside is a very great blessing. Yeah, it's so brilliant to be able to say that before you leave. And, you know, for me, I know I've, I've hurt people in my life. I know I've harmed people in my life. I know I've been short tempered with people. But on balance, I have an inner knowing that I've, I've helped more people than I've you know, hurt. I hope I've created more well-being than suffering. And um, well, you definitely helped me. So that's one person. <laughs> so that's one. That's one. <laughs> I can write a letter for you to take up yes, there. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, but Andrew, so basically, if you have a talent, you discover your talent, and it's not really helping humanity. It's you haven't completed your dharma like you i agree uh, okay i just yeah. it's good to know because so some some people just to use you know a slightly stereotypical example some people may be their brilliant piano players mm. or dancers or mm. and they're too shy to yes. express that in front of other people and i always think you know it's a great shame in the bible there's a, a passage where mm. Jesus is saying, don't hide your light under a bushel. So it's the same idea. It's like I've often said to you that, you know, y- your time to shine in the world is coming. And when the opportunity to present itself, don't back down. Let the world see. You yeah, know? yeah. It's so confusing, you know, but reading it this way and hearing you explain it, this law of Dharma, I think has brought a lot of clarity. You know, it's basically hiding, like being a bit too humble, I think is as uh, damaging as being arrogant. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I I just finally got it. (laughs) There are two sides of of the same coin. It's a little bit like, you know, if you take a concert pianist that practices eight hours a day yeah and someone says oh, i i i hear your great piano player and they say oh i play a bit that's not humility that's mm. dishonesty yeah absolutely you know, absolutely yes. <laughs> so it, it takes a certain amount of humility to acknowledge one's talents and yeah, say no i'm yeah. i'm really good at that and i love it yeah it's so good and it shows how comfortable and it expresses the flow in in your life rather than showing um exactly the inauthenticity 
there is one um, sentence in the in the bo- in the paragraph of the slow of dharma that i would really love to that you explain a bit more it says the expression of our spirituality coupled with the expression of our talent in service to humanity gives us access to unlimited abundance can you describe what what does he mean by this abundance when i hear yeah. abundance you know automatically i think of money but it's yeah. not that he's referring no, to no i think one one of the um distinctions that that we're not fully understanding of is in the west we tend yeah. to use the word abundance to equate to wealth yes. or money yes. you know in the east when they talk about abundance they talk about health physical health mm. they talk about mental health they talk about emotional health they talk about family you know to be abundant is to have a lovely family around you to be abundant is to have a home and to you know so um what's what's really being said here it it was a little bit like we were talking earlier about you know Lara Farrer's being in touch with her divinity and expressing her true talents will look differently to Andrew Wallace being yeah. in touch with my divinity and expressing my talents the same with you know uh, all the other people we know yeah. and so um it's when we are willing to um acknowledge our true self which is a very powerful uh, and loving place to be and to embrace our talents then everything will come to us okay. you know good health emotional well-being family people will be attracted to us because it's very attractive to be around people who are connected to their inner center their true self who are living their talents mm-hmm. and who are serving humanity uh serving the community mm-hmm. so we attract all those things to us whatever whether they're uh material things or spiritual things or people um those things are attracted to us and you know for some people as i've often said abundance might be living on a barge on the thames knowing that there's no mortgage that you've got enough food yeah. for the month and such for other people 200 million pounds or 600 million pounds in the bank is not abundance because yeah. they're living in fear and they're chasing the next 100 so it it's different for all people is it fair to say that if you think you uh found the real um purpose of your life and you think you are sharing it with humanity and you still don't feel this abundance is it fair to say that uh, we 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 encourage people to look deeper and to see where are you being inauthentic where yes where where are you being dishonest with yourself because if you don't have that sense of abundance if you don't have that sense of you know i i think i shared the other day i wake up every morning and go through a very short ritual mm-hmm. of thanking the divine thanking the universe yeah. for for all my blessings all my fortunes i i have yeah. very very long list of of things to be grateful for mm-hmm. and that's part of recogni- recognizing the abundance in my life yeah. and i don't have that of every minute of every day <laughs> I'm, yeah. i'm not a saint yet but uh, <laughs> one day so if that isn't there then it's a question of saying well where am i not connected with my true self yeah or where am i not expressing my unique talents where am i hiding 
um, in uh, ego or identity. And, you know, it's very easy to do that. And for all of us, we're, we're changing old habits. The, the old way of being is very, very habitual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, we're doing our best to change them on an iterative basis, on a very gradual basis. Mm-hmm. And, and there's one other thing about Dharma that I would like to say. I don't think this is explicitly in uh, Deepak Chopra's book, but yes. um, it, it, it's, um, it's a rather generic idea, really. But for me, uh, part of Dharma is to clear up the unresolved history, uh, issues from our past is to clear up the ancestral patterns. So mm-hmm. each of us comes into a lifetime with uh, a number of ancestral patterns and hurts, wounds yeah. that, you know, children who died early or divorces or a number of different things, issues around money, issues around love. Yeah. And for all of us, I think each lifetime is about clearing up the past, clearing up the ancestral past. And from my point of view, whatever we clear up in this lifetime, we don't pass on to the next generation. Uh, And whatever we don't get round to, then the next generation, my children, that's now their responsibility to clear up that aspect of the ancestral past. We could say the ancestral karma. It's beautiful, and it's all. It comes back again to um, awareness, right? It's starting to exactly. be aware. It's always awareness. Aware. I love this word. It's beautiful. You have to have a vision to succeed in life, or to, uh, you know, um, use your dharma, use your gifts. You have to have a vision, though. Do do you always have a vision before you start anything? You have what you call intention. Yeah, for me, I I tend to use the word intention, but vision is fine too. Yeah, that that we need a vision. We need a, you know, I'm somebody that um, I I I tend to operate with pictures much more strongly than with words. Mm -hmm. Although I love words, and I I would regard myself as a wordsmith. So. A vision often is having a picture in our minds of where we want our life to be. Mm-hmm. Um, a, an intention can be graphics, it can be pictures, or it can be words. So mm-hmm. an intention for me is something that is very, very powerful, and it's one of the spiritual laws of the universe. Yeah. So it, it's like a compass. For, for me, it, it's like a guide through the map of life and without that i i would really struggle and the the other thing about dharma which you've heard me say many times lara is i often if i if i go to a classical concert you see all these violinists twiddling with their little knobs and it seems to go on and on and on and on Mm -hmm. and uh, eventually they settle and they think ah and they start playing and they hear this perfect harmony in tune and, and I often use this as an analogy because there's two things that are quite helpful. First of all, is the only reason, only way they're able to tune their instrument is by mm-hmm. hearing where it's out yes, of tune. Yeah. And so for us, you know, on a daily basis, it's bringing awareness to where I'm out of sync with myself mm-hmm. is the best way to get back into connection with my true self. Mm-hmm. And, and the second thing I like about it 
is, you know, they, they perform a concert brilliantly, they embrace their talents, and then they the next evening they're playing a concert and they go through the same process. The instrument yeah. is out of tune again. So for us, it's not like, you know, I'm on the pathway of my dharma and I never fall off. It's mm-hmm. not like that at all. It's like I'm in tune, I'm out of tune. I'm in tune, I'm out of tune. This is a dance yeah. that will go on for the rest of my life. And it's the acceptance of you always going back to being out of tune and going back in tune. Exactly. Acceptance. So just to recap a bit. Um, so the, the three components to the law of Dharma, the first one is to discover our true self. Correct. The second is to discover our, our unique talents, what we yes. really are here, we love doing and why we're here. And the third is to also be able to serve humanity with this gift. That's the third. And the third component, is it helping you with your karma as well then? Of course. Yes, it's helping with everything. And and when, you know, I, you said exactly what I said, uh, mm-hmm. but when I heard you say service to humanity, that can sound a little bit grand. And what, what I mean by that yeah. is um, it is giving to the community. So for me, mm-hmm. it starts with my immediate family, the people I live with. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, can I be in service to, can I put myself, my little me aside to be there for my wife, my children, my friends? And and one of the, the sort of antithesis of this aspect of Dharma, which we're all very familiar with, is, you know, I used to talk about this more that I I would, um, you know, be practicing these spiritual principles in my life and I'd go for three weeks and I'd, I'd be quite proud of myself that, you know, what a great job I was doing. And then you suddenly get to a point where you hear the question, the dreaded question in your mind, which is what's in it for me? Yeah. Yeah. And and the moment that comes mm-hmm. up, it's like you, you've fallen out of tune. The, yeah. the violin needs a bit of tuning. But that happens to all of us. Eventually, yeah. you get this thing, well, when's it my turn? What's in it for me? Yeah. And you just, for me, it's getting to the point where you can chuckle at that and say, yeah, that's my old friend, the mm-hmm. ego or little me, and it's feeling a bit left out. Let's now get back to some, you know, big me. You know, it's funny because I've had for over 10 years, you know, I've had people come to me and say, because as you know, I always feel a lot of pleasure by being what I call in my words, in my vocab, useful. Like if something I can do easily, I will do it. If that means hosting events or doing something that I know would be, for example, difficult for X, Y, and Z to do, and it's so easy for me. It gives me so much pleasure. I would just do it. And I had over the years, many people say, oh, people take advantage of you. You're only doing this so people can say you are kind. And deep down, it's it's not true. I'm not doing this for people to say. And I, for long, long time, questioned myself, you know, because it, it disturbed me a bit. But then I thought, if it's giving you so much pleasure and it and it is helping others, so what's the problem? But I still go back and forth, you know, on that. Am I just doing it because I love this tag that I'm I'm kind and I'm generous and I'm 
I'm very nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I think that is something that we've all struggled with. But I think the the the, the way you were talking and listening to the uh, tone of your voice and everything, it's clear that you have this inner knowing that it's aligned with your true self. This yeah. ignites your passion, mm. uh, and so you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's very true. And there'll, there'll always be people, uh, on the planet who want to undermine you or, or, you know, give you another view. You know, I, I heard a lot also, Andrew, people say it's very uncomfortable because we can never do that for you. And my, my answer to that was always, but you're doing so much for me already. It doesn't have to be the same thing you're doing. If mm. you can't host events, you're teaching me a culture. You're, you, I'm, I'm following your example on, you know, I don't know things that I had to do, for example, when I first came to, to London or, mm. so that was, uh, but again, that's a process, you know, uh, you have to build confidence. Just last weekend, actually, my, my daughter came to stay with us with her boyfriend who I hadn't met yeah. before. And shortly after arriving, he presented us with this glass jar mm. of these biscuits yeah. that he, he'd baked for us with pistachio. And oh. he told us the story about how he'd put them into bake and woken up in the middle of the night. He was worried they hadn't quite worked, so he double baked, you know. <laughs> so and I was almost in tears. Yeah. Uh, um, I felt so touched that yeah. he had gone to all this trouble yeah. and, and really... For me, it didn't matter whether they were tasty or not. But I, the next day, I then tasted one. I thought, "Oh my god, they're the mm. nicest biscuits!" Yeah. And we then took my daughter and him out to a fairly expensive meal, and we both acknowledged between us that energetically we shared equally with each other. Mm. You know, yeah. and and again, there's a, a beautiful story in the Bible about the widow's might, the, this this widow who gave one denarii, which was a very small sum of money, mm -hmm. and she gave more than the, the rich men who poured their gold in for everyone to see. So it is what it is, and we know. Mm. And if you, I always say to people, you know, if you're not sure, ask the people, the close people around you that you really trust, and they'll soon tell you. Yeah, exactly. And also when you do something and you're faking it, there is always eventually some resentfulness that will catch up with you. Mm. So I haven't felt it yet. So it's a good sign. My wife is always <laughs> first in line to tell me that I was I was showing off and I was a big head. And I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> I just want to uh, read uh, in, uh, the last sentence because I think it would be helpful, especially if people haven't read the book. It's a way of uh, knowing if that's your dharma of, or not, is to ask you this question. If money was no concern and you had all the time in the world, what would you do? And I think that's a great question that Deepak has put in the book to try and help us discover our dharma. And so I, I, just... I absolutely know that I would be doing exactly what I'm doing. And me too, yeah. Andrew. I know. So isn't that a great feeling? <laughs> it's amazing. It's a great feeling. But I know there is much more to come for me anyway. Yeah. For you, it's behind, you're doing so much already. And for me, I'm not that old. <laughs> it's, not, it's not all over. <laughs> Andrew, thank you so much for your time. Wonderful. And that was an amazing law. I really like uh, knowing more about it. So uh, just as we conclude, Lara, yeah. I really invite people, go out, buy the book. Yeah. 
it's a it's a really short book. It's easy to read, mm. and you know I've spent forty years. Uh, I've read a huge number of books like you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been searching and seeking for forty years. This is a brilliant little book. It's it's, it's a roadmap to life. So if you're interested in being in the world in a different way and being more fulfilled buy this book and follow it it's yeah, a great absolutely. little book it's definitely a book bu- a book to go in your sos uh, little and pouch tune in to, <laughs> tune in to lara faris <laughs> <laughs> thank you andrew right. thank you so much see you God soon bless. again thank bye, you bye bye that was the last low of the seven spiritual laws of success by deepak chopra so this is the last episode of our series and i look forward to starting maybe a new series with andrew very soon i certainly will update you on what's coming next in the meantime i really hope that you enjoyed listening to andrew's explanation about these very useful and life-changing laws and i hope you will like this podcast share it with as many people as you can and subscribe so that you can be notified when we have a new episode coming out. Thank you so much for listening and see you again very soon on The Deeper Eye.